0: Before you listen to this podcast, you can subscribe to The Critic magazine with the current offer of three issues for just £5. Head to our website, www.thecritic.co.uk, to subscribe today. Hello, and welcome back to The Critic Podcast. In this episode, Nick Buckley speaks to The Critics' David Scullion on why he is standing for Mayor of Manchester. On Thursday, the 6th of May this year, we've got the local elections, so eight London and Metro mayors will be up for grabs, five city mayors, the Scottish Parliament will be having its elections, the Welsh Parliament, the Police and Crime Commissioners, and a large number of councils will also be changing hands, and a lot of councillors will be be up for grabs. One of those big contests will be the Greater Manchester Combined Authority, which has a mayor and ten council leaders, and one of the people who is standing and who wants to oust the sitting mayor, Andy Burnham, is Nick Buckley. Nick, thank you so much for coming on the Critic podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for the invite. Nick, it was interesting to hear that you were standing to try and replace Andy Burnham to try and become the Manchester mayor. You know, what do you you think you bring to the table? I mean, Andy Burnham has been the chief secretary to the Treasury. He's been the culture secretary, the health secretary. Uh, He's currently got leadership ambitions when people ask him, do you think you could be prime minister one day? He doesn't say no. He's got a, a long political experience and he's been Manchester mayor for the last few years. What do you think that you've got that he's not got? I think the main thing straight away is
1: I'm not a career politician. So I'm I'm not sat here working out the best way to get to 10 Downing Street. I'm sat here working out the best for Greater Manchester. So I'm not a politician. I'm somebody who's worked for local councils, someone who's worked with the police, you know, I was based in police stations, I set up an, an award-winning charity, I worked with young people on the streets. I've got practical experience. I've always lived in Greater Manchester. I know the problems, I know the people, and all politicians say this, this is just average rhetoric of people. But the problems in Greater Manchester and in other cities across the UK are complex. And I've been dealing with them for like, for, for like 20 years. And I know what needs to be done. And I've got a track record of improving people's lives and improving communities. And that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to stand. I wanted to bring some experience into the office of Mayor of Greater Manchester.
0: So you got a public profile, was it last year, when you were sacked from the head of your charity? Yeah, it was June 2020 when I was a victim of cancelled culture, yeah. So that happened to you, so I mean, for people who don't know, just very briefly explain what happened. Your your charity, Mancunian Way, you were the head of it and you were the founder?
1: Yeah, founder and chief exec, and then in the summer last year, I criticised the Black Lives Matter movement, um, and people took offence at that. The board at the charity who I appointed all panicked, and they sacked me. And then I decided I wasn't having that. So I mounted a fight back. I made the board resign. I was reinstated, and now I'm chair of the charity.
0: So you got back as head of the charity, but you said part of your time you're going to devote to try and fight the kind of the woke war. So you were kind of trying to fight things like Black Lives Matter and... Um, the idea of taking down our statues. And one of the things, that I I mean, I read a, a brief interview you did about um, standing to be the Manchester mayor. And one of the things that I thought was slightly curious was, you, on one hand, you were saying, uh, you know, I know how the city works. I know there's problems of homelessness and I know how to deal with these things. And on the other hand, in the um, interview, you seem to be uh, talking a lot about kind of woke issues. So I think one of the quotes you said was, let's put the great back into greater Manchester. And you talked about the need to keep statues up. I mean, is that is that contradictory or do those two work hand in hand? I think it's hand in hands. I think the general public are completely
1: sick and tired of the woke ideology we have at the moment. About pulling statues down, and you look at all the polls, the public is not behind this. So, the, there's two points of my of, of me standing. One is we need. I mean, let me go back to the beginning. Let, let me go why I'm standing. The really why I'm standing, and that's because I've spent two decades helping communities and helping individuals the best I can. And after what happened to me last year, I realised the country is in a very tricky situation at the moment. We, we could go either way. And rather than sit on the sidelines and moan, which is an easy thing to do, I've decided to put my name forward and try to do something that will improve Greater Manchester. Part of it is pushing back against this craziness we've got now. You know, anti-racists. Um, you know, there, there's a chance Antifa may be coming along to the UK soon. Um And we need to make sure that doesn't happen. But then on the flip side of that, some of the social problems we have in the UK can be solved and have been solved before. If we have people who are willing to do the right thing, not the convenient thing and not the popular thing, but the right thing and make those right choices and be unpopular if that's what it takes, but improve greater Manchester and then if people don't like what you've done then, then then vote them out vote me out if you don't like what I've done but what we seem to have with career politicians is what what's going to be popular so it doesn't matter if I solve the problem or not all I have to do is make make it look like
0: I, I may have solved the problem or I'm doing something and that's not good enough let's solve some of these problems So have you got any concrete examples of what you think um, has has gone wrong and what you would do differently? Yeah, so absolutely. So, I mean, for for Greater Manchester, the number one priority
1: has to be our fellow citizens sleeping in cardboard boxes on the streets. How How we allow this, I do not know. How we're not more shamed of ourselves for allowing this to continue, I do not know. And from day one, nobody, there'll be a bed for everybody in Greater Manchester. And, and it's as simple as that. Andy Burnham's trying to do it, and he's had some a little bit of success. Numbers have come down a little bit. But he spent millions on this. And the reason why it's not improving that much in Greater Manchester is no sooner do we take someone off the street, somebody else falls onto the street. There's no prevention. It's like a conveyor belt. You're taking people off the top of the belt, but people are joining at the bottom. So in, until, until we look at... Until we stop people falling onto the streets in the first place, we'll never eradicate this.
0: So, if, so from day one, you say that, that everybody will have the, the chance of a bed? Yes. So on the, on the very first day that, you, that you're elected, I mean, I guess that would be the, the morning afterwards, The um, probably be the Friday, you, nobody that night will, if they don't want to, sleep rough? Yes. And how there is that, be, how is there that be, possible?
1: There'll be somewhere open... That, that would be my first day. My first day will be about getting, so even if I've paid for it myself, somewhere will be open in Greater Manchester where you can go and sleep.
0: But it, I mean, that sounds a very, it sounds a very, very simple uh, solution if, if it's possible to do in one day. I mean, why is Andy Burnham not been able to do this in his whole time of being in office?
1: Oh, I mean, opening somewhere on the first day won't solve our sleeping crisis. You know, that will happen on the first day, as in we've now solved it. But there will be somewhere open at the moment in Greater Manchester and across the country. We only have we only have accommodation available if the temperatures are going to drop below zero every other night of the year. You can sleep outside, mate. We don't care. So if we can do it when it drops below zero, why can't we do it every night? Mm -hmm. And because it's complicated, rough sleeping is that complicated. Nobody understands it unless you work in the field. And then a lot of the people who work in the field don't understand it either. So the first thing you need to do is get people off the streets. That doesn't cure the problem. But let's get people off the streets. Because the second you get them off the streets, you've you've stopped the continuing damage to their mental health and their physical health. When they're off the streets, you can start working with them about what is the next steps for them. And in Manchester at the moment, it's almost perfectly acceptable for you to make a choice to sleep on the streets. And what I want to say is this isn't acceptable. Even if you decide that's what you want to do,
0: I'm sorry, it's not acceptable. So hang on, so you're not happy for anyone to sleep on the streets? So you're going to ban it? Well, we don't have the power to ban it. But what we do at
1: the moment is we walk up to somebody on the street and, you know, the council will say, hi, we might have accommodation tonight, do you want it? No, I'm not interested, mate. Okay, thank you, bye-bye.
0: Well, that's not good enough. Mm. You've worked with young people, but have you also worked with people who live on the streets? Yes. And so you've done this for years and you know how it works. But, I mean, the, the, the role of mayor is a lot greater, isn't it? I mean, you've got direct responsibility for transport, policing, the fire, and you've got key roles in planning and, you know, a huge amount of things, even negotiations with central government. How are you going to have time to just devote yourself to, to purely homelessness?
1: Well, homelessness will, will be the, the priority. Um, obviously, when you're in that position, you have a team around you. So I'm not an expert in everything. Mm. Um, so, you know, I will be taking people on board into my team who understand transport, who understand negotiating with government. So it's about building a team.
0: So a lot of delegation. Yes. I guess in in the way that uh, a lot of people said that Boris Johnson was only successful as London Mayor after he started delegating properly.
1: Well, we need experts. We need people who know what they're talking about. So, you know, there's a couple of topics I class myself as an expert in. You know, youth crime, anti-social behaviour, rough sleeping. You know, I, I know about them. I've lived that you know i've worked with it for two decades we need to bring other people in who understand those other those other issues and those other topics
0: you're not standing as an independent candidate are you no i'm standing for reform uk talk me through that how does that conversation go so three four years ago i stood as
1: independent in manchester city center um, and got absolutely nowhere and i realized standing as independent doesn't lead to anything because you've not got that machine behind you. Mm. So this time when I decided I wanted to stand, it was like, well, who am I going to stand for? And I thought, well, I can't stand for the usual yeah. suspects because they're always in and out of power and they're part of the problem because they always do what they want to do. So I didn't want to stand for Labour and I didn't want to stand for the Conservatives. So then I was looking around who else I could stand for. I couldn't I couldn't stand for the Lib Dems. I, I disagree with a lot of their policies. Um, and then I looked at Reform UK and Reform UK being new, that means it gives me freedom um, to explore my own ideas uh, they're, not that, you know, they're not dogmatic as in this is what you need to believe to join this party mm. they want to reform that's the whole title of the party is to reform and I think that's what we need we don't need to tear down political structure and start again that's just craziness but, but we, we need to tweak things we need to change things and carry on for decades the way we have isn't working and it's not working for the poorest people in community we need to tweak the system to make it work better
0: so did you approach reform uk yes you, you approached them and then and you had a conversation with you speak to richard tice
1: Yep, i dropped richard tice a message and he phoned me up and we had several conversations
0: <coughs> hmm. Okay, you're standing against somebody who is apparently, according to one poll, known by about 60% of the British population. And the the, the system of voting is the the supplementary vote system. So if you get over 50% of the vote you will be elected straight away. Otherwise, all those except for the top two candidates will be eliminated. And then the first and second preferences will be taken into account to work out who becomes mayor. But in 2017, Andy Burnham got 63% of the votes. So he just was elected straight away. I mean, that surely is an unassailable amount of votes, isn't it?
1: Oh, I mean, and Andy Burnham is by far the favourite. And if I was a betting man, I probably wouldn't put a lot of money on myself um, at this moment in time. I only launched a few days ago, Mm. but we'll see how the campaign goes. And for me, to improve Greater Manchester, it's not necessarily about me winning. It's about if I can influence and I can change the debate and I can get someone like Andy Burnham to maybe steal some of my ideas and take some of this on board. And if that improves Greater Manchester then then i will feel i've won Mm. it's all about improving greater manchester this isn't about for me winning isn't about me becoming elected mayor winning for me is about improving
0: greater manchester and however that's delivered i'm I'm okay with it so you're would it be fair to say you're you're expecting to win but you're not expecting to become the manchester mayor
1: at this moment in time no I i think i'd sound a bit silly if i said you know someone who's got no political experience um I announced a few days ago and I think I'm going to overturn Andy Burnham's almost 65% of the vote I, yeah
0: so Nick t- tell me some of your other ideas then for uh Manchester I mean what would you do for example for on, on knife crime it's a, a big problem throughout the whole UK
1: yeah so I mean personally I've been tackling knife crime for, for 20 years and I've, I've personally taken knives off young people um but the reason why we don't get a grip on knife crime in the UK is because we're scared to use the powers we have, which is basically stop and search. Mm. I know many young people who have never been stopped and searched, who don't know anybody who's been stopped and searched, so they quite correctly work out that I can carry a knife because no-one's ever going to search me anyway unless I get involved in an incident. And because it's politically sensitive um, and we have the racial um issue with it as well what i would do with knife crime is i would look at per council ward and I would say to those people, do you want the police to tackle knife crime in this area, which means an increase in stop and search? Mm. And I would do like a, an, an annual ballot. We can run it alongside the council elections. So it's, you know, it's all covered under the same funding and, and the same ballot process and let local people vote what they want. And if people in the area don't want their children being stopped more and searched more, absolutely fine. It's called democracy. And the police work for us, and the police need to be instructed about what communities want. And if the community then vote that they want more stop and search to protect the lives of mm. their children, that when community members then complain that their child's been stopped, the answer is, you voted for this. Mm. Because I don't know any parent who doesn't want their children to be safe. And I've not met... I think I've only met two parents in my life who are, who were anti-stop and search, out of the... Tens of thousands I've met and worked with. So th- that's how you get around the stop and search and knife crime, because, how again, how we allow our young people to be stabbed to death on the streets and we still don't do anything about it is shocking.
0: Mm. That's an interesting idea. Have you, uh, so have you got any other uh, kind of policy areas that you've got um, ideas for?
1: Yes, I mean, especially around the criminal justice, because, again, that's my field. Over decades now... We've lost the respect of judges and magistrates about the sentencing procedures and, and what and what they give a criminal, and they know they follow rules, they follow guidance, uh, and we uh, and we need to do something about that. And again, I can't change the law if, if I was Greater Manchester mayor, but what we can do is every sentence that is ever handed down, you know, to somebody in court, that should come along with a, 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 only one page, so an A4 special form that explains why that sentence was given Mm. judges do this anyway but it can be it can be it can be a small booklet by the time they've explained and no one reads it and no one cares let's let's give some simple information to people and it will basically state this was a sentence guideline you know between between one month and five years i could have given these were the circumstances of the case this was the sentence and you know in half a page this was why i believe this sentence is fair Hmm. That can be published. That can go online. So when people hear that you know a violent criminal you know got let off or only got one month in jail, then they can look at this form and it can explain why. Instead of the hyperbolic headlines, and hmm. maybe that will start developing and fostering a bit more trust in that criminal justice system.
0: Hmm. Um, and just finally, you know, obviously as uh, as Manchester Mayor, you, you don't really have control over this but you've you've you have got uh views on the family haven't you and, and how that Im- impacts some um, problems in manchester
1: oh absolutely I and mean, they're not just my views i mean you look at any sociology paper psychology paper this this has been known for decades we need fathers involved in their children's lives and we need fathers in the home mm. and over the last 50 years you know social policy in the uk has slowly been pushing fathers out of the family home and out of the lives of their children. And we need, as a society, we need to start looking at that and developing policies that keep families together. And when families break up, because sometimes they do break up, I'm not stating for one moment we should force people to stay together when that relationship is completely broken. But even when we have a broken relationship, everything must be done to keep that father heavily involved in those children's lives. It just has to be done.
0: Mm. Is there anything direct you've noticed working with young people that, you know, the the lack of a father figure?
1: I mean, again, this is
0: not my evidence. This is all in the, the
1: written papers. You know, it's all been proven. You're more likely to end up in prison. You're more likely to fail in school. You're more likely to commit suicide. You're more likely to be to abuse drugs, everything negative in society. You've got a higher chance if your father wasn't involved in your life. And that's boys and girls.
0: Um, well, it's been fascinating speaking to you. I guess one final question. Do you think you're ideologically driven?
1: Um, if you can class improving the lives of people in the UK and Greater Manchester as an ideology, then yes, I am. If you mean, am I following some set script, some set of ideas, then no, I don't. I'm a big believer in personal responsibility in people improving their own lives, taking the opportunities and chances this amazing country has on offer and supporting people to, to see those opportunities and take those opportunities. So, so, so no, I don't.
0: Hmm. Well, Nick Buckley, thank you so much for coming on the Critic Podcast to talk to us. And all the best in your campaign. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed listening to The Critic podcast, why not subscribe to have the magazine delivered to your door? Subscribe today with the offer of three issues for just £5 by heading to our website, www.thecritic.co.uk.